special edition of Daily Delivery. We've got a multi-day, multi-deliveries a day today. Uh, ben Gessling joins me, Star Tribune Vikings beat writer. Um, just a wee bit to talk about, Ben, because I've, as of Monday morning, Vikings fire both head coach Mike Zimmer and general manager Rick Spielman. The first felt like 99% of a foregone conclusion. The second registered as a mild to moderate surprise, I guess, at least based on the reporting that was out there and some of the kind of conventional wisdom that he might be reassigned at, at the very least. What, you know, welcome. And what, what was your kind of take on and the reporting you did on what transpired Monday morning? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right on with that, Mike, in terms of it being everybody, I think, thought Mike Zimmer was gone, including, I think, Mike Zimmer. I mean, Mike Zimmer had acted in the last week as if he was going to lose his job. I I don't think it was a big surprise. But on the Rick Spielman side of things, I had somebody tell me this morning that Spielman was blindsided by the news because there had been this this thought out there. And I have my theories as to how that got out there. But there had been a lot of thought in the national media that Spielman would be reassigned and would keep his job or possibly even get promoted because of this long running relationship he had with the Will family. And he he certainly did have that. I mean, he had 16 years here, um, had been kind of their, their eyes and ears in Minnesota, at least in terms of the football department for a long time. And he had played that to his advantage. He had kind of told them, Hey, I've got it under control here. You don't need to fret about, whether or not your team is in good hands, we've got a steady approach. There was sort of always this um, let's do things the way the Packers had done them kind of approach of let's model ourselves somewhat in that direction. And Spielman had sold that with the kind of build with the draft and develop, build from within, pay as you go, manage the cap, all that sort of stuff in the last eight, nine, 10 years. And it had helped him out. But you get to the point where the quarterback, has become, I think, a, an ongoing question. They have not solved that. Spielman has never been able to solve that. So the fact that they did it, I'm, I was a little bit surprised. I was a little, I, I heard over the weekend kind of thinking that enough to make me think it's going to be this sort of Spielman gets promoted or reassigned kind of approach. But then I talked to somebody last night that said, I wouldn't spend a ton of time on that possibility. And that was kind of the first I said, hmm, okay, that's interesting. And then uh, this morning, you find out that it's both of them gone. It, it's a it's as big of a reboot as the Wilfs have made probably since their first year owning the team, and maybe even beyond that. It, it's a striking move for an ownership group that has been patient, has prized stability, has talked about being the Steelers in terms of that. It's uh, it's going to be a big change, and how they do going forward is going to be ultimately what tells how successful it was. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think the Spielman narrative is the interesting one. I think you're right. The 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 Zimmer, you know, missing the playoffs three of the last four years, yep. and you know, just everything that kind of happened in between. It's just it felt like that had run its course. It 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 felt like this was the right clean cleaner break to to kind of start over with with both of them. But you're right, as that national narrative emerged in recent weeks, it also seemed like you could you could talk yourself into why that made a certain amount of sense i mean with with spielman i'm i'm just curious like what do you think how do you think they how do you think the wilfs got to the point where they're like no we just have to do this do you think it was like we can't hire the person we want to if rick spielman is still here or how do you imagine he 
ultimately they ultimately came to the decision and we'll, we'll hear a little bit more from Mark Wolf later today, yep. but how do you think they got to that decision where they're like, Nope, it's a package deal. And, and we're going to, we're going to have a cleaner break. Well, I, I think it would have made for such a strange power structure. If you basically are telling Rick Spielman, we don't want you to run our football department anymore, but we like you enough that we want you to advise us or maybe even pick your replacement. I mean, it, it's such a bizarre way to go about it that, I, I think probably in talking to people and trying to figure out how they should go about it, at some point they had somebody say, guys, this, this probably isn't worth the trouble. I mean, it, if you're a GM coming into that, and somebody that's interviewing for that job and you're being told, the guy that we got rid of is going to be here with some say in this process and some still some relationship with us, certainly. If you're a GM candidate, you might be thinking, I don't know if I like that idea. And if you're a head coach who's a further a, a, a rung further down the ladder from ownership, I'd be thinking, I'm not sure if this is the place I want to go either. And, and this is, I think, and, and you certainly see a amount of plenty of chatter about this. I think it's a desirable job. You have owners that have shown they're willing to spend. They want to win. There's no, I'm here for my tax break or I'm here for a toy. They, they want to win big and they have spent to do that. So if they find the right people, they'll let them go do their job. I, I think doing something with Spielman staying would have been such a, a goofy power structure that I know I'll be curious to hear more about what Mark Wolf says about it later today, but I, I get the sense that cooler heads prevailed a little bit and people said, you know what, it's probably just easier, cleaner if we do the hard reboot and, try to start this thing from from not from scratch but ownership or leadership coaching wise yeah probably from scratch take a playcation to mystic lake for 24 7 gaming fun restaurants and bars and luxurious hotel rooms and join club m to bask in the rewards follow the lights to mystic lake where every day is play day and you know you've used that you've used a pretty interesting stat a few different times was it only four teams since spielman assume some sort of power in 2006 have not reached the Super Bowl from the NFC yep. and the Vikings are one of them and that's a pretty that's a pretty telling stat that for all of you know their attempts and for all of you know getting close in 2009 and 2017 and you know generally being competitive they haven't even gotten to that point where they could win a championship in you know 16 years yeah, and, and I think a lot of that goes to the quarterback. I mean, the, the times that they've had a chance, obviously the year with Brett Favre and then 2017, they had a lot of things go right. I mean, they they banked for a long time, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman both did, on 2017. That, that collateral lasted for quite a long time for both of them. And the fact that they have not had the kind of dominant quarterback has hurt them, I think, because you, you've had – NFC teams that had kind of had their moment, maybe that guy doesn't last, but Cam Newton for in Carolina, for example, wins an MVP, gets the Panthers to the Super Bowl, has that moment of dominant play that helped them get over the top. And then you have teams that have gone the other way that have a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Jared Goff, you know, guys that are not elite quarterbacks, but are still on rookie deals. The Vikings, I, I think things really changed for them when Teddy Bridgewater's knee blew up. Because you lost your window of, we've got a talented roster defensively, 
we've got some pieces we like on offense and we've got a cheap quarterback. The fact that they got ushered out of that probably sooner than they wanted to be, I think really changed everything. And then you make the move after 2017 to say, Hey, we were in the NFC title game. If we get a quarterback, we could put it over the top. There was kind of always this mentality of everything we did that went right. will go right again. And everything we did that went wrong, we'll just fix it and we'll be fine. We'll be good to go. And you, you probably have to do that to some degree, but the quarterback issue, I think is the big reason when you look at the end of Rick Spielman's time that they didn't get to a Super Bowl. I mean, the four teams that have not gotten there are the Vikings, Dallas, Washington, and Detroit. And those are probably not the teams you want to be in the same sentence as you have one where the owner runs the show and the other ones are two of the more dysfunctional franchises in the NFL, certainly in the NFC. So yeah, at some point enough is probably enough. You just mentioned the quarterbacks. I mean, um, I wrote about this Monday, but you know, you can kind of neatly divide the Zimmer era into four years before Kirk Cousins got here and four years with Kirk Cousins. And I believe they were something like 40 and 40 and 27 or something, 40 and 25 before Cousins and just a couple games over 500 after he got here. And it's not all Cousins. I think he's given them good quarterback play, um, inconsistent at times, maybe better statistically than he is always, you know, on the field. The numbers add up to more than what you saw, but not certainly not his. I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize the last four years as his fault. At the same time, Mike Zimmer did have that famous quote at the 2018 scouting combine where he yep. kind of saw this coming where he's like, you know, if we kind of like, if we spend big and kind of, you know, do it this way, he could kind of port, you know, he could kind of foresee foreshadow the future roster problems and potentially getting fired. Like he said, that would come from it. Is it as easy as that? As we think back on his tenure, I don't know what else they would have done differently in 2018 than, than to go get cousins if he was available, but that certainly is the pivot point in all of this, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, th- that going back to that, the only other thing they probably could have done, cause that free agent class was like cousins and the quarterbacks they had on their roster. I mean, it was case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford. And for one reason or another, and Mike Zimmer laid them all out in that, what still stands as one of the more remarkable press conferences he's ever had. He strafed Kevin Stefanski. He said Sam Bradford's knee, I think, was degenerative. He said Teddy Bridgewater's knee was not in as good a shape as they thought it was or people might have portrayed it as being. He basically said, we think Case Keenum's a fluke. So, But then he talks about this sort of thing of we've won a certain way. And I, I, I do think that was the divide is you get down to it, you had probably a little bit of this financial tug of war where it's Rick Spielman and I think probably the Wills saying we need to go take a a big swing at the quarterback and Zimmer saying, no, we need to have this defense full of highly paid players. We need to have all of these guys that we've drafted that I have raised in my scheme. We need them to stay. We need Anthony Barr. We need Eric Kendricks because they had that big group of players that year that they were trying to sign. And they basically signed all of them. They found a way to keep Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Stefan Diggs. I had somebody tell me that, when they signed Cousins, they knew they were going to lose Anthony Barr. And then, lo and behold, they find a way to keep Anthony Barr when he has cold feet about going to the Jets. So Zimmer, I think in a lot of ways, always said, I want to do this my way. I want to have a defense full of stars, guys I can trust. I want to have a strong running game, which means we're going to draft and pay Dalvin Cook. And there's also another side of this that says you need a quarterback. Eventually, it gets tough to make all of that work. And 
for what Cousins is making, the counter to Cousins is to say, well, if you go all in on him and you build an offensive line and you do what you need to support him and you make some smart decisions on defense, but don't pay everybody, don't pay linebackers, don't pay you know, players that aren't probably going to be elite in this modern NFL, maybe you can win with Cousins. So it's going to be very interesting to see what somebody else does as they look at this roster, because we've seen it done a certain way for so long. There's kind of been this accepted wisdom about how the Vikings do it that somebody else might say, no, that, that isn't it. And I, I think in the end, this sort of clash of ideas about how important is the quarterback, how important is it to kind of circumvent the quarterback ultimately is what, led to Zimmer's downfall. And I think you made a good point a little while ago about Teddy Bridgewater too, and how that started this whole chain of events and how in the NFL, if you are paying a quarterback, who's not, you know, in the top five, um, you're kind of in a no man's land, right? You will either want to be paying a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, or you want to be right about your draft pick and have three or four years of a relatively cost controlled, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, even going back even further to Russell some Wilson. other quarter, Russell Wilson, um, you know, guys like that who, you know, who were, you know, cheap and, and you know, ended up, you know, going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls. That That's kind of the formula, the, the kind of middle ground where you're paying big for someone who's, you know, maybe in that eight to 12 range is not the winning formula. Um, one, one final point on, on that, and then I want to spin it forward even more. Um, but, you know, if I think the, 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 the quarterback point is, is interesting. And it's, it does kind of make me wonder, you know, if we, if we're talking about an entirely new regime change with a new general manager, new head coach to you, what does that mean for the future of Kirk cousins here? Does it make it any more or less likely that he is here in 2022 in that final year of his contract and that $45 million cap hit? Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of thought Spielman being here made it more likely that Cousins is still here. But really, at this point, we don't know. Because if you got an offensive coach that comes in and says, you know what, I can win with this group if we do some work to rebuild the defense, if we do some work to probably add to the pass rush, get some guys in here that can be a little bit more dynamic than what they've had, you know, maybe that, that works going forward. I it's a little hard for me to think that somebody is going to come in and make a big commitment to cousins for the next three, four five years. I mean, you could, he's only 33, but I would expect somebody is probably going to look at him and say, there's a trade ship here that we could get some draft capital for. Cause they're, they're not in a great spot in terms of the number of draft picks they have left. They, they only have eight and only uh, four in the first five rounds after Spielman traded a fourth rounder for Chris Herndon. So, there's some work to do there to just try to restock the cupboard. So I could see somebody looking at cousins and saying, this is a trade ship. I could see somebody looking at cousins and saying, let's ride it out for a year and let's go get the next guy. Well, he keeps us at least competitive and keeps the seat warm. I I think those are probably the most likely scenarios, but I guess it wouldn't stun me if somebody looked at cousins and said, we can at least be competitive with this guy, but it's always that thing, like you're talking about. If you end up with the guy that's between eight and twelve in the league, and you're paying him as much as you have to pay him, it's a tough way to live because there are more than eight or twelve quarterbacks that get paid. There are not that many that are probably going to get you to a championship level. So, I think it's probably more likely than not that Cousins is 
in his final year or less in Minnesota than it is a long-term deal. But again, once we have a better sense of what the coach and the GM want to do, we'll have a better answer to that question. I think that's going to be the, the big question they have to answer almost right away. And I want to get, <clears throat> I want to get into that in a minute, just maybe not so much short list of names, but you can certainly throw out names that I'm interested in mostly in style, what they might be looking for in a new head coach and, you know, a new general manager, I suppose too. But I, I do quite opinions about cousins are all over the map. You can use any sorts of metrics to paint him in one way or another. Um, and naturally, because of that, opinions about his trade value or even the ability to trade him and, you know, the cap and the, you know, the, the salary, certainly a, a piece of this is part of it. But what, what do you see as his, what's his trade value? What would even be, you know, disregarding like what team he might go to, like what, what is his value in a trade? And is he even, you consider him a tradable asset, I imagine. And as, as, as yeah, I, do. yeah, I do. I, I think he's tradable. I certainly, I mean, you, you look at the number of quarterbacks around the league that either aren't very good or were a high first round pick that haven't worked out. And we saw a lot of them this year. We saw Baker Mayfield. We saw Sam Darnold. We, you know, you see Justin Fields struggle early and he's going to struggle as a rookie, but you see a lot of these guys, Jared Goff, that were high picks that haven't panned out. And Cousins, for all of his warts, can say, look, I've been a starter in this league for, what, six or seven years now. I've been a quarterback in the league for 10. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't miss games usually, at least because of injury. Um, he has been a effective passer for the most part who has put up good numbers in Minnesota. The, the, the question you have with him is, is somebody going to make a trade for him and do it on a one-year rental? Probably not. You're going to have to have somebody that looks at him and says, this is our guy going forward. And the, the most obvious spot for that would have been San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, but with Trey Lance there, that's probably not going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen at, at this point. So you look at Pittsburgh, you look at maybe Cleveland with Kevin Stefanski. Those could be places that a have the cap space and B have the appetite for someone like cousins. I think what you get for him if you eat some of the contract, which they probably would have to do, you probably get more kind of like what the, uh, the Rams did with Jared Goff. They got more in return uh, because of that in the Stafford deal, but sorry, with the Lions, it was Jared Goff. They got more in return. So if you go that route, maybe you can get a little more back for cousins. I, I think you probably get a, a second or a third round pick, you know, maybe a little more than that. If you're willing to eat some money. Um, I, I don't think they're so close to being able to, compete for a championship next year that they'd be opposed to that idea so if you do that and you can get a first round pick maybe somebody gets interested i think you certainly do it for that i think if it's a second or third rounder you probably entertain the idea as well yeah and it you know so many unknowns for 2022 and a lot of that like you said gets sorted out with who they hire as general manager and then who they hire as head coach um Coaching hires tend to run, um, Patrick Royce is fond of saying this, and I think it's correct. They tend to run in the rule of opposites where yep. the, the thing you just had isn't the thing you go and get again. Um, with, with that in mind, what, you know, if you have names, love to hear them, but mostly curious, like what direction do you think they go with these hires? I think it will be somebody that knows how to develop a quarterback. I, I think that will be a fairly big priority for them. And, you know, you, you probably need, and there's going to be a lot of talk about this, that, you know, a lot of the smart football take now is don't go get the offensive or defensive guy, get the guy that develops a good culture 
So there's going to be talk about that. It'll be somebody probably younger, probably more player friendly. I mean, I, I think that opposite of Zimmer is, is probably where we're headed more of a player driven culture than what we've seen. But I would be very surprised if it's not somebody that either has a plan for a quarterback or brings in an offensive coordinator that can get that job done, because that is going to be the big question for them going forward. I, I just, I can't imagine they do this without having somebody that comes in with a plan for that position. If, if you're interviewing for this job, either the GM or the coaching job, as you're preparing for it, I think you'd have to come in with an ability to sit down with the Wilts and sit down probably with Andrew Miller and say, this is what I plan to do in the next three to five years at the quarterback position. I imagine anybody who interviews for these jobs is going to have to go in with a, a, a cogent plan that they can sell ownership on for that spot, because it is the big question for every NFL team, certainly the big question for the Vikings going forward. And I think anybody who is trying to get this job probably has to position themselves as somebody that has an answer to that question. Would you think there's any, you know, there's plenty of names out there. Maybe you can, are there any that you, that intrigue you more than others? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of the, the names that, are going to get tossed out are probably the ones that are worth looking at Byron Leftwich in Tampa, Eric Bieniemy in Kansas city. I mean, the two offensive coordinators that were in the super bowl last year are going to be, I think names that people have interest in. Of course, Eric Bieniemy was here uh, with the Vikings in, in the Brad Childress days. Um, yeah. That certainly could be a guy that the Vikings take a look at Brian Dable from Buffalo. I think Nathaniel Hackett in green Bay is going to get some interest. I, you know, guys like Doug Peterson who won a super bowl at us bank stadium, He's looking for a second shot. I could see somebody like that. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of those types of guys. And there's probably others out there that whose names haven't been talked about enough yet and, and whose names probably should be talked about. But the the guys that can come in and have a, a plan to kind of modernize the offense, I would expect are going to get a lot of interest and probably for good reason. Let's tie a bow around all this. Ben Gessling, thank you for joining me here today. Final thought, I hope. How should we remember both the Spielman and Zimmer eras if we can either separate them or think of them together? Because to me, it it wasn't an abject disaster. They won oh. games. They made the playoffs. Yep. It, it just, it, to me, it felt like something that kind of just more or less ran its course. But, you know, as someone who covered this team so closely for a great number of years and still covers the team, how do you how do you kind of sum up th these two eras for these guys? Well, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it was you look at it and say it was a success in the sense that this was a team before Mike Zimmer was hired that had lost double digit games three times in the past four years. They had kind of the fallout of the all in uh, 2009, 2010 year, and then they go three and 13 in 2011. They had the probably run that nobody expected to see coming in 2012, and then they lose 10 games with quarterback issues in 2013. So there was a lot that needed to be cleaned up and for the balance of their time. They did that. I mean, Mike Zimmer talked about, I want to fix the defense. I want to build a dominant defense. He did. He had some great defenses from 2015 to, eh, we'll probably say 2018, 2019 ish that were, were awfully good. And they won a lot of games. To, I mean, 2017 was, was a, a lot of fun to be on that ride as they go through and go 13 and three. And of course the Minneapolis miracle will be the highlight of the Mike Zimmer era. The, that moment of they win the game and there's hope that we're finally going to be the team that's not getting kicked and getting our hearts broken at the last second. 
We're going to go to a Super Bowl in our own stadium. I mean, it looked so bright at that point that you thought these guys are going to be here for a lot longer. Really, I think, like we talked about, it turned in 2018. It turned, I think, when Zimmer probably played a little bit of identity politics with his approach to football, you know, not wanting to do thing kind of the new style of, of offense, new style of culture, a lot of that stuff, I think, led to their downfall. Overall, though, I, I would look at it and say it was a success. But, you know, when you're talking about winning championships, when both Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman talked about that, Mike Zimmer laid out this vision in his opening press conference of the confetti falling on the Wilfs and Roger Goodell handing the, the Lombardi trophy to Ziggy Wilf, and, and he had the whole thing and talked a lot about how he wanted to be the first one to do it. And uh, he'll have to settle for we got close a couple of times and, and we won more games than we lost and we cleaned some things up and, and that's that the, the search for a, uh, a trip to the Super Bowl and a, a Lombardi trophy continues. And one more final thought too. I meant to bring this up a moment ago, but you know, timelines being what they are, how, how fast do you think they will want to move and can move on, on new hires? Uh, I, I would think they'd try to go quickly given the fact you have two, I mean, they're going to have to probably get moving here fairly quickly. I would expect it'll be a, a fairly wide search for both of those spots, but I'm going to be curious today to see if they try to do them on parallel tracks or you try to get one done first and then do the other. I, I don't know that you frankly have the time to just sit and wait and do the GM first and then do the coach. It'll probably be this idea of let's try to do them both, find two guys that we think can work together and, and build this partnership as we go. So, you know, you're probably talking about, I would think late this month um, that you have some guys in place. I fully expect that uh, the fact that I'm supposed to start jury duty two weeks from today, uh, all but guarantees there will be a press conference as I'm uh, making my way down to Hennepin County courthouse to do my civic duty. Um, I have to see if I can get that postponed a second time. I've done it a couple of times already, but Hennepin County, if you're listening, uh, you want to help me out, uh, let me know. <laughs> well, we'll see what the timeline is. Ben Gessling, great stuff. Um, look for his coverage later today, even from you know more stuff, more access with ownership and players, I presume. So we'll look forward to that. Ben, good stuff. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Thanks, Mike.